0: Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your
1: hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys part one of Ariel Castro. So grab yourself some coffee and let's dive in. This episode was actually suggested to us by Emily B. So thank you, Emily, for the suggestion. On May 16th, 2013, a Cleveland, Ohio dispatcher received a 911 call from a woman. So I am going to start by playing that 911 call for you guys.
0: (laughs) Leave need... please, Sorry. help me, i Amanda Berry. You need police, fire or ambulance? I need police. Okay, and what's going on there? I've been kidnapped and I've been missing for 10 years and I'm, I'm here, I'm free
2: now. Okay, and what's your address? Uh, 2207 Seymour Avenue. 2207 Seymour, looks like you're calling me from 2210. Okay, stay there with those neighbors talk to the police please. when they get there. Okay. Uh, Thank <laughs> Yeah, talk to the police when they get there. Okay, I mean, I'm going to wait right now. We're gonna them send now. them as soon as we get a car open. No, I need them now. We get get back. All right, we're sending them. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, who's the right guy? Now? Who's the guy you're uh trying? Who's the guy who went out?
0: Um, his name is Ariel Castro, and I. Barry I've been on the news for the last 10 years
2: okay I got I got that here I already know right
0: the police are on the way talk to okay. them when they get there okay I need okay. I told you they're on the way talk to them when they get there okay all right
1: okay all right so I played the 911 call for you guys I know it's killing Abby but we're not going to really discuss the 911 call yet I'm basically I'm going to kind of describe what was said and then I'm going to go into the story so the girl making the 911 call was Amanda Berry, and she was telling the dispatcher that she had been kidnapped and was missing for the last 10 years, and she said that the man that had kidnapped her was Ariel Castro. So police are sent out to this location that she had given, and they enter the home, and when they enter, they find two other women. They find Gina De Jesus and Michelle Knight. And at this point, all three women were taken to the hospital for evaluation, along with a daughter that Amanda had with her during the 911 call. So I'm going to back up to prior to this 911 call and back up more than 10 years ago. So Ariel Castro was born in Puerto Rico on July 10th, 1960, and then as a child moved with his family to Cleveland, Ohio. In 1992, he and his wife buy a house at 2207 Seymour Avenue. For a while, he lives there with his wife and four children. But in 1996, his wife ends up leaving him and taking her children with them and getting custody of all them. And this was due to her claiming that Ariel was extremely violent towards the children and towards her. And she just didn't feel safe living in the house anymore. Good for
0: her. For being able to, you know, like have the willpower to do that. I know in a lot of situations for women, it's hard to actually leave that situation. So I'm really like gung ho for this.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I mean, as we find out throughout the rest of the story and the episode, it was absolutely in the best interest of her and her children to leave on august 23rd 2002 21 year old michelle was about to go to court that day so she had a son and she lost custody of him and so she was scheduled to attend a court hearing where they were going to discuss the custody case she was basically trying to get back on track to get custody back of her kid who was just about two years old at this time she doesn't show up to court though while on the way to court she had stopped at a convenience store to ask for directions and while she was there somebody had overheard her asking for directions and they were like do you want to ride and michelle was like recognized the person asking her if she wanted to ride and it was like i i know one of your daughters and this man was ariel castro so she's like well i know one of your daughters so yeah i'll take the ride so she gets in the car and he ends up taking her to his house, and she realizes pretty quickly into the ride that they're not going to the courthouse. So they arrived at his house, and he somehow convinced her to come inside. I think he said something about like one of his daughters was inside, and so he ended up getting her into his house, and that's the last that we know really so she does not show up at court obviously all that we know is that she had last been seen at her cousin's place when she had left to head to court and nobody had seen her since but like i said she was 21 years old she was in a pretty stressful situation with trying to get back custody of her son And the possibility that she might not get it. So police were like, she must have just left on her own to get away from everything that was going on. They're like, it had to be on her own will. I don't believe that anything bad happened to her. And there were minimal to no search efforts done to find her.
0: I don't understand a couple things about that statement. A, if she's battling in court to get custody of her kid, or kids, I'm not sure if it was just it was just one kid, just right? one kid,
1: her son, right? Why
0: would she leave? That doesn't track to me.
1: The only thing I could think of is if they're like, well, she feels like she's not going to get custody back of her son, so she's just gonna run away for some reason.
0: Well, I mean, it shows some level of involvement and attachment to her kid, I, in my opinion. And B, there's no way it happens that often that people truly just take off and leave all of their belongings and everything behind it, don't tell anybody. There's no way it's happening that often.
1: Why are police assuming that? I don't know. How many episodes have we done of missing people where the first initial thought the police have is, oh, they just left on their own?
0: It's ridiculous. And it's sad. And I mean, obviously, it didn't turn out well for her. And it's kind of crap on the police's part, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. Because as we know, Like I said, it's not until 2013 that police receive a 911 call in regards to what's going on. So Ariel basically has Michelle captive for quite a few months. And then on April 21st, 2003, he decides he's going to kidnap again. And when I say he decides to kidnap again, I actually have no idea if he went out looking for somebody to kidnap or if he always was just kind of keeping an eye out for an opportunity
0: that's a good question i wonder man i'm not sure i feel like i I know the story you know it was pretty popular especially because it was somewhat located close ish to us but in my opinion somewhat knowing the story which you guys can tell that we've already said that he had more than one person he had kidnapped so it makes me wonder if he was out looking for someone like a creepy collector of some sort
1: yeah i could see that it's just there's like a year in between each kidnapping almost Mm -hmm. so that's why i don't know if he was just kind of like waiting for opportunity or if he was just specifically like woke up that day and was like i'm gonna go kidnap somebody today so on april 21st 2003 amanda berry is at work at burger king and it's actually the day before her 17th birthday so she's excited to go home and celebrate her birthday She ends up getting off work early and calls her sister and asks if she can get a ride home from work. But her sister was also at work. So she's like, I can't come get you right now. So I'll need you to wait or find a ride from somebody else. So Amanda calls one of her friends. He doesn't answer the phone. So she's like, I want to get home. So I'm just gonna walk home. So she starts walking. And as she's walking home, she sees a van in a driveway but like the van was kind of like sticking out of the driveway so she had to like walk around it and as she's walking past this van she recognizes a girl in the van and so she kind of like smiles at the van and then keeps walking so a few minutes later she's been walking and then this van pulls up next to her and says hey do you need a ride well she's pretty sure she recognized the girl in the vehicle before and now this guy is like oh you work at burger king because she's obviously still wearing her uniform and starts talking to her about his son and she's like and he's like do you know my son and she realizes that she does know his son so obviously this guy's ariel if you couldn't tell and she accepts this ride I have a
0: quick question. Are these girls recognizing his kids that were there prior to them leaving with their mom?
1: Yes, the four children that were with their mother.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Those were the only children that he had. And so those were the individuals that he was recognizing. They were still in the area. So like I said, Amanda accepts this ride and she never makes it home. Abby, I am going to ask you a question because I assume you're going to know the answer. What are the police's first thought when they find out that she's missing?
0: Maybe she ran away. Oh,
1: yes. That's all that ever happens is people run away. So they're like, eh, she ran away. It's fine.
2: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to FireDeptCoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way.
0: Is it all the same? Yeah, it would be, right? All the same police force? Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with them?
1: Everybody runs away. I don't know if it's easier to check that box. I mean, obviously, it's easier in the sense that they don't have to get a task force together to go search. So it's easier. It's cheaper, more convenient for them. But um, can you not do your job and go search for these individuals that are just randomly missing? And she, like I said, the day before her 17th birthday, she's 16.
0: And I feel like... That's even more when they're like, oh, maybe they ran away. Cause kids just being kids. No, ugh, it's so sad. And like to think how much if they would have investigated, this could have shifted exactly these next years.
1: Well, so we also covered that case a while ago with Zachary Bernhardt, who was like eight and went missing from his mom's apartment, and they're like, maybe he left on his own.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't get. Well, even like we haven't covered this but even with Asha Degree. She was like a young girl. I think she was four or five. And they saw her walking around, like walking down the highway. And they're like, well, she left. And I'm like, but if you're a kid, it's not, it doesn't matter. Irregardless, we are looking for these children. Stupid.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We saw her walking down the street with a backpack. Okay. How many kids run away from home? Like you're supposed to go get them. You're not supposed to just be like, does that mean you just don't don't look? (laughs) Makes me so mad.
0: (laughs) Ugh. Anyway. Hi,
1: guys. This episode is one that Erica will most likely go on a rant.
0: I mean, we even got me worked up during it, so <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. Yeah, when I
1: told you I was doing this, you're like, well, you can go on a rant. And I was like, I think we yeah. can both do a rant for this one. So, like I said, please, first thought, run away. Her mom, however, is like, no, there's no way she would have ran away. First off, she has birthday presents at home. She's not going to run away the day before her birthday without getting her birthday presents. Like, who would do that? fair. Fair. <laughs> right so her mom's like no well a week after her disappearance her mom receives a phone call and the person on the line says quote i have amanda she's fine and will be coming home in a couple of days end quote poor mom right but what it does like so the police are first like it's a prank you know because that day her photo had just been all over the news so she's like in like a phone call and stuff so she's assuming that it's probably just a prank at first but police trace the call and find that the call came from amanda's cell phone
0: oh wow and when they
1: were able to track it they were not able to track it they but they were able to now know that she was not a runaway because it was a man on the phone and they're like okay something's actually wrong and so they actually started searching well
0: thank god they're doing their job oh thank god he called in i know like if he it was him then yeah which is weird because he doesn't
1: call in for either of the other two girls.
0: And fairly certain doesn't actually return her in a couple days. Correct on that as well.
1: <laughs> so, like I said, there's about a year in between each of the kidnappings. So, fast forward to April 2nd, 2004. So, 14 year old Gina de Jesus is walking home from school with her friend, Eileen Castro, Ariel's daughter. Huh. Interesting. So while they're walking home, Eileen stops and uses a payphone to call her mom to see if she can go hang out with Gina. But her mom says no, not that night. And they go their separate ways. So Gina's still continuing to walk home while a van pulls up next to her. And it's Ariel Castro. And he's like, hey, have you seen my daughter? Because he's looking for Eileen. And she's like, yeah, I saw her recently. And he's like, well, can you help me go find her? And she, being the nice girl that she is, I'm okay. Let's be honest. If one of your friends' dads pulled up to you and like you knew him, would you get in the car with him if he was like, "Hey, yeah, yeah, hundred percent"? I've got a list of friends who, like, if their dad had stopped and like been like, "Hey, come with me," I would have gotten in the car with them.
0: Yeah, it's really, really sick way of that he is taking advantage of this. His kids friends or acquaintances
1: absolutely we this is the third person that he is abducting and the third time that he's used his kids in this situation to abduct them so she obviously like i said said he says yes and gets in the car she quickly realizes though they're not heading anywhere in the direction that she's saying that his daughter went and he ends up taking her back to his house with this disappearance so she doesn't make it home her mom gets concerned her mom calls the police she tells them that she'd given her money to take the like public bus home that day but she had decided to walk home with her friend eileen and i think it's because they had planned on hanging out so they were walking to until they got to the payphone Mm -hmm. and then realized they couldn't hang out so she's like i'll just finish walking home so with this one police are like is this possibly related to amanda's disappearance Huh,
0: wouldn't make sense,
1: wouldn't it? Yeah, I think they... So they didn't actually connect them. They just had questioned if it was possibly connected. And I'm wondering if the reason they didn't, like, connect the two is because with Amanda, they received that phone call. And there was no Mm -hmm. phone call with Gina. Gotcha. And I I don't know for sure if that's the reason, but I'm assuming that that's the reason that they were... Well,
0: yeah. And in the police force's defense on this one for not connecting, Cleveland has a lot of crime. And... It, it would be kind of tough to, you know, connect the two.
1: Oh, yeah. If you guys don't know Cleveland, Ohio, it's very crime-filled. I mean, it's a big town. It's one of the top cities in the country for crime. Yes. So I'm assuming the police force is, you know, busy with a bunch of stuff. At least they're taking it seriously as a disappearance. And I'm assuming it's because she's 14. so She's a little bit younger. Whereas these other mm. two, they were like, yeah, we're just going to stick it to a runaway. Initially, these three girls, Michelle, Amanda, and Gina, were all kept in the basement and chained up. Eventually, he let them move upstairs to rooms that were all barricaded shut. There was a video of Amanda and Gina talking where they were talking about the fact that they were all kind of chained together. So Amanda and Gina were shared a chain through the walls. Like it went through the walls and like chained up to their arms well, I think it oh, was but their they wrists. were in separate rooms. Yeah. So they were in separate rooms. So I think it was a risk that they were chained to like they those ones. And then Gina had a chain on her ankle as well. And that chain connected to Michelle. Gotcha. So they were all in their own rooms. They barely communicated with each other. It wasn't until way later on where they actually got to know each other at all. Over the years that they were restrained, I'm sure you guys can guess if you have any sort of an imagination, they were physically assaulted. They were sexually assaulted. They were restrained the entire time that they were held captive. In 2006, Amanda ends up getting pregnant with Ariel and gives birth to a daughter named Jocelyn. So Ariel had refused to give her any medical treatment for her birth, which... We've unfortunately seen that in the past, too. And it it
0: would be, you know, on his, on his side risky to, you know, try to give her that.
1: Absolutely. So his way of quote unquote helping, and I use that term so freaking loosely, he gives her a plastic swimming pool to give birth in, which we've... That seems to be a thing. I'm assuming it was filled with water. It seemed like water births are a thing. It's supposed to help. Mm-hmm. But I, you're supposed to have somebody there with you a medical professional and Ariel allows Michelle to help to come into the room and actually help Amanda give birth and while Amanda's giving birth and going through labor Ariel's sitting in a rocking chair in the room reading a book on how to give birth it's not sounding great he's reading this book out loud to them oh i mean Wow, he might as well be a doctor. I swear to God, if I'm ever in labor and giving birth to a child and somebody's reading a book to me, I just think I would, <laughs> I don't think I would handle that well.
0: No, like no, no, no. When
1: I'm in pain, the last thing I want is for someone to be droning on about something, especially, I mean, you can imagine Amanda and Michelle hate Ariel. They have no compassion towards this man. So... I'm sure listening to him was worse than nails on a chalkboard. And you probably just wanted, I don't even know, to do some really terrible things to him that he deserved. Right. As Jocelyn grew up, Amanda did her best to do school for her. So they would pretend to walk to school and like stop at stop signs and like red lights and look both ways across the street. So she was kind of teaching her these things. I mean, obviously they were in the house, so... There were only so many things that they were able to do.
0: Quick question. Yes. At this point, are they able to maneuver around the house or is Jocelyn down and like chained up in the same place as Amanda?
1: So Jocelyn's in the same place as Amanda. Jocelyn was not chained up though. Jocelyn actually referred to Ariel as daddy Um. or dad and she was allowed to kind of walk about the house a little bit more than any of the other girls were. Gotcha. But I think with the chains that they had, they were able to walk around the room a little bit. So Amanda would kind of take her around and would take her to school, basically, and would set had this little area that was kind of set up. And she would teach her different things that kindergartners would learn, first graders, whatever grade Mm -hmm. she was in at the time. Ariel was known for kind of being one of those criminals who incorporate themselves into the investigation so at one point during the investigation Ariel goes to Gina's mom and she's passing out missing person flyers for her daughter and he actually takes one and asks if there's any information regarding Gina or if there's anything that he can do to help and her mom's like no we don't have anything at this time just like we're trying to get the word out there we're trying to find her Ariel brings this missing person flyer home and gives it to Gina
0: oh god And like, if he already wasn't horrible, horrible, horrible enough.
1: I, I just can't. I I think that that would be so terrible. I'm sure she was, I don't even know how she would have handled that. Like, I I know that she kept this flyer as a memory of her mother because she knew that it had been in her mother's hands. And Mm -hmm. so she kept it because that was all that she had. And I just find that so sad. And so, like, it's such a form of mental torture to, like, take that from her mom, and then bring that home to Gina.
0: Right. It really points to the kind of criminal that he was.
1: Yeah, for sure. At one point during captivity, Ariel had asked the girls if they wanted anything from like the store. And so Amanda had asked for a journal and a coloring book so that she could kind of entertain herself a little bit. So she kept track of things in her journal, including how many times a day she was assaulted. And there were times that that number was five or six times a day, which is... Ugh absolutely terrible she was very hopeful that she would get out so she said that she kept track of this so that when she would get out she could give it to her mom and they could work through everything that she'd been through while she was in there wow but unfortunately in 2006 her mom died of heart failure and she is never reunited with her daughter so during this whole time that these three girls are held captive by ariel he's maintaining a really normal life He has visitors coming to his house, family members still stopping by. He had locks on the basement doors and then doors to other parts of the house so that people couldn't get in there, obviously, but he let people come over. He also worked as a bus driver for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and he did that for 22 years. and a lot of it was during the time that he had these girls in November of 2012. He was fired because he had been violating many of the rules, including making illegal turns and leaving children on the bus by themselves. It's
0: always interesting to me when we cover cases like this with criminals who are able to like maintain this somewhat normal lifestyle while they're doing just like horrible unspeakable things and really separating them it's insane to me
1: yeah it's definitely I, I don't know how they can lead these two completely different lives so I'm gonna fast forward back to May 6 2013 and tell you kind of what happened that day leading up to that 911 one call so on May 6th Ariel leaves the house and like I had said Jocelyn was able to kind of walk around the house and roam it a little bit so she's roaming around the house and realizes that Ariel isn't there. So she goes upstairs and tells her mom, hey, dad's not here. And she's like, go check the garage because Amanda's like, he's got to be here. He wouldn't leave the door unlocked for you to go downstairs if he wasn't here. And Amanda
0: was upstairs at this point.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. She like goes and she texts the garage. She texts the entire house. She's like, and then she goes back up and she's like, "Mom, Daddy's really not here." And Amanda's like, "This is our chance." Mm -hmm. So she takes this as an opportunity to scream from inside the house. She wasn't able to get out the front door because it was locked, but she sticks her hand out and like waves it a bunch and is screaming and yelling and trying to get any sort of help. Well. Neighbor Charles Ramsey hears the screams and looks out and sees somebody trying to frantically get out of a door. And so he goes and gets another neighbor, Angel Cadero, and they both go over to the house and they kick the storm door open enough that Amanda and her six year old daughter can crawl out. And Amanda comes out screaming, Call 911, call 911. And they go back to the house, and this is where the 911 call comes in.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also join our Patreon family where you can get early access to our episodes and exclusive content such as our new Monday minis and a bonus monthly episode for as little as a cup of coffee a month. Donations to our podcast are always greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. If interested, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you have case suggestions, feel free to reach out through any of our platforms or email at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.